Hi, it's up everybody. I'm Cindy Goodman. I'm Kate Franklin. And this is Shut Up. Keep going. I almost forgot how we do this. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm just like, what's happening? This is a podcast where we explore our internet curiosities. Oh, uh, so yeah, we're diving into things that we find interesting on the internet. Um, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I guess now we like just like start. Well, we we are. We say. We say we are starting. Um, <laughs> we say we are starting. Um, Did that sound like Dracula? Yeah, it was good. Oh, thanks. Um, it was better than when, like a long time ago, you said you can do an Italian accent <laughs> and you just sounded like a mobster. So I was trying to do an Italian accent <laughs> and I just took a hard left because I was like, that wasn't very good. <laughs> it just sounded more like I want to suck your blood. <laughs> um, what I was going to say was our last two episodes we did a little experiment Mm -hmm. where we only did one topic per episode yes and we heard back little birdie told us that that was preferable that was preferable and i have to say i think we agree it is preferable (laughs) we prefer it (laughs) we're such like little rule followers we're like teacher told me because remember so i don't know if people know this but we were going to start this podcast out and the whole concept was going to be less about the topics and more about the idea that we could connect them connect them yeah the five degrees of separation Separation. or whatever And then we realized that didn't matter. But I feel like we've set all these rules for it. And then we're the only ones that set them. Yeah. And like not to be me. Like we're so appreciative of everybody who's listening to this. But like. <laughs> what are you going to say? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I was going to kind of say that it's like your opinion matters. But also like not enough that we're gonna do something we don't want to do but then i was like that's just kind of rude like it didn't need to be said but it's already out there i guess well they also people wanted the people were on board for the one topic totally which is good we're happy you agree because they want all of our tangents i love tangents if i do this does it change like if you're listening on stereo does it feel like i'm flossing your ears she's moving her head back and forth in front of the mic like a snake i saw this tiktok of a water snake and it literally is straight up like a regular snake but it can like swim through the water and it like was slithering on the top of the that i hate it was that. nuts looking it was really cool are you a snake person i love snakes Have i would love to one? get a snake yeah that is so surprising to me really but also not snakes and lizard reptiles i'm big on the reptiles and amphibians game i'm terrified of snakes and i never want to hold one or look at one. Oh, they're so sweet are they yeah they can be I, I mean, just, like, don't, like, threaten them or they'll be mean. But. I heard this story of this guy who had, like, a boa constrictor mm-hmm. as a pet and it would sleep next to him every night and then he realized that it was sizing him up to eat him. Is that a tall tale? I think that's a tall tale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's real. Uh, no, I wanted a snake, actually, and then Alex said, no, he does not like snakes. And then I tried to convince him to let me get an albino gecko. <gasps> he also said no, because no. you can actually train those things to sit on your shoulder. That's And cute. they'll just, like, hang out with you. That's cute. I've seen that with, yeah, like, lizards. Yeah, super cute. But now I feel like it'd be irresponsible to get a reptile that would either threaten our cats or that our cats would threaten. Like, yeah. it just doesn't seem like a very safe place for 
Yeah, I Maybe really wanted to get a chaos. chinchilla, but I realized Ernie would eat it. So, oh really? He would eat it? I feel like they're pretty big. He tries to take down things that are way mm. bigger. He tried to fight a possum the other morning. Oh my gosh! I think possums are really sweet. They're very cute. They're so cute. I don't know why everybody hates them. They're not doing anything. That's what. That's my thing. It's like same with raccoons. I don't know. I just feel like in general, I just don't understand why we need to disturb animals. I know even skunks, like, yeah. they're stinky, but they're just, like, trying to live their life. Well, it's, like, they're only stinky. It's, like, reactionary to thre- being threatened. You I know. know. It's not like they're, like, going out and just trying to, like, ruin your day. I know. They don't care about you. That's, like, all animals. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. We love animals. Well. We love them here. Speaking of. Animals? <laughs> no. Oh. Well, speaking of life itself. Okay, no. Um, I'm I'm gonna talk about the collapse of the <laughs> of the Roman Empire. <laughs> no, oh, even I was hoping. better. Okay, the uh, she's looking at her notes. <laughs> I just forgot what it was called. The Bronze Era, the Bronze oh. Age. Ew! How do I not know my own topic? I'm talking about the collapse of the Bronze Age, which sounds so boring. No, it sounds really interesting. I'm excited. Because, listen, I learned about this this week. I have to admit, I didn't really know what was going on in the Bronze Age. And I was completely floored that I had never heard of this and how similar it is to our life right now. Ooh, I'm excited. It was like, I got like goosebumps learning about it anyways what if goosebumps were just like a bunch of tiny what if like when you're born you actually like get like bit by a bunch of bugs and then they lay a bunch of eggs under your skin and when you have goosebumps it's them like try like your vulnerability like you're super vulnerable because you're just like ooh, like this is weird and so it's like the eggs trying to like escape and like the larva trying to come out but then it doesn't happen because the like your vulnerability only happens for like a split second it's not enough time for them to come out that is the most horrifying image i've ever seen <laughs> or imagined i guess <laughs> no what are it's your pores getting i think cold. it's your hair follicles yeah or oh, like okay. your pores or something um because i don't know about you but for me i mean i'm a relatively hairy individual um and so when it like they stand my up hair straight. stands up at the same time that i have goosebumps i don't get goosebumps that often my actually. mom's side of the family so my mom is like average like she like has to shave her legs you know my grandmother has shaved her legs twice in her life and my aunt shaves once a year just like to feel like she's doing something like literally no hair on her body. I mean, I hate to be that person, but I only shave my legs once a month. What? Yeah, and my armpits. What? I don't grow hair. Look at my arms. What? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I've been doing laser hair removal and I finally am in a place. This is my legs after like two weeks. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't see anything. I mean, there's definitely stuff there, but I'm working to get rid of it all. Wow. We'll see. My armpits, I used to have to shave like twice a day because I'd get like a five o'clock shadow (laughs) on your armpits. Yeah. It was an issue. I had a really 
I was looking at Caleb yesterday. Caleb's now growing a beard and he no, looks I can't picture it. He looks hot as fuck. I have to really? say. You I'm have to show me man. a picture. I like can't picture it with his face shape. Oh, wait, for some I actually reason. have one. Um and I got high the other night and was looking at him and like was touching his beard and I then touched my own face and had this I like could feel like I had a phantom feeling of hair on my face and i was like why would anyone do that (laughs) Uh, that it sounds so bad but i think generally men look so much hotter when there's like some scruff or like just some facial hair Mm. action going on this is a dorky picture of him that he sent to me but oh my gosh yeah he's rocking it right i can see it for some reason when you said beard i was picturing where it like oh no it's just like hair on the face no i'm into it yeah alex grew a pandemic facial hair situation and i'm a really big fan yeah i think i think men look better with beards i agree normally or just some sort of facial hair yeah there's something that's just like ooh, ooh, ooh. well who had a lot of facial hair was people in the bronze age no way you don't say so here's the thing when was the bronze age you would think it is a way that a question i'm so confused what the <laughs> are you telling Wait, actually me yeah or... when do you think the bronze angel i wish that i don't kate i truly can you give me like multiple choice okay um 100 bc 100 ad a thousand bc or 3000 bc 3000 bc Okay, no. But Oh wait, no, I meant I went what was the one before that? A thousand BC? Mm-hmm. I meant that. Yeah, you're right. Oh yes. That's when it was. I didn't realize it was in BC. Yeah. So, so like before Christ. Yeah. Here's the thing. Is that actually what that stands for? Yeah. It's not like Latin and then we just say that it means before Christ. I don't know. <laughs> to me, before Christ just like seems like really like an ugly term do you know what i mean where i feel like everything's latin ad means anno domini which means why are you putting your hand like an italian (laughs) (laughs) anno domini is after death so it's before christ is bc yeah but there's not it's not like a translation like with if on no oh okay um wow apologies christ La- it's the ad is latin mm, but the bc is not that's why i did the little hands mm. um no it's not so here's the thing i thought ancient greece was probably before the bronze age but it was not oh. which kind of fucks me up in some weird way so this this is we're talking before antiquity that's where we're headed to talk about that's where we're headed in our time machine ancient greece and therefore classic antiquity which is both greek ancient greece and ancient rome occurred during the 8th century bc and 6th century ad that was the time period okay um we're talking about uh 12th century bc so 1100 sure so long ago centuries like really make my brain like, yeah throw me for a loop no, a little I bit you um so this is pretty much a thousand years before ancient greece which is like so hard to wrap my brain around because ancient greece seems like that's just the oldest 
I know they should call this the ancient bronze age. Yeah. Well, and that's Egypt is so interesting because you think Egypt happened for so long. Do you know what I mean? Like Egypt was happening during antiquity, during Greece and Rome, but it was also happening like thousands and thousands of years before that. I feel like I need like a visual timeline of just like all <laughs> when all this stuff was happening. So basically we're we're going to be talking about the bronze age but we're going to be specifically talking about the collapse of the bronze age because it is a mind fucky thing that happened in history and i think it's actually very relevant to right now cool i'm excited so listen 3200 years ago long time ago the mediterranean and near east were home to a flourishing and interconnected bronze age civilization fueled by lucrative trade in valuable metals and finished goods. So the kingdoms of the day included the Egyptians, the Babylonians. We know where Egypt is. <laughs> Babylon was in modern-day Iraq. The Minoans, which is in Crete, the island in the Mediterranean. The Messanians, which is in Greece. The Hittites in Turkey. Well, those are the main guys. Okay. So it's 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 the Eastern Mediterranean is where we're talking. Got it. Is happening. And these societies were absolutely flourishing. They had um, what they called palace governments, which is that it was a big power. That lived in a palace. That lived in a palace. Big like empire kingdom sort of thing. What's the difference between a palace and a castle? Castle is about fortification specifically, but I think a castle could also be a palace. A palace cannot be a castle and a castle cannot be a palace, but they can be. What? So you can have a palace that is a castle, but you can have a castle that isn't a palace. Are all pa palaces castles? No. But what, what makes a palace? A palace is just where the nobility and or oh. ruler live. Okay. And so they sometimes live in castles, but not always. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, I'm with you. So uh, these societies were absolutely flourishing. And do you know why? Why, Kate? Because of bronze. <gasps> That's why it was called that. Um, so here's the thing. They were all super connect i mean it, it was it honestly was very similar to how our world is set up now which is there's all these different countries but they're all super interconnected through trade and so they all rely on each other but Got there's it. also like drama between the of various course. of course and so um the region today just again would stretch from italy in the west to afghanistan in the east and from turkey in the north to egypt in the south um and the reason why it flourished like this and it I don't know it's it's obvious but it's interesting to remember is that the Mediterranean though it is a sea is like way more friendly to travel than like the Atlantic or the Pacific mm -hmm. and that's why all these various civilizations flourished and was able to connect and um you know be like thrive thrive is because you could you could connect or why is language really hard for me right now and i'm doing an auditory podcast anyways 
it it was easy to travel and so people could meet each other and and progress and da 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 da, da. right right i'm with you but it also could be bad and we're going to find out why disease so, well true so here's the thing in a matter of decades all of these civilizations collapsed just like one by one by one by one oh okay so after 11 77 BC, the survivors of the Bronze Age were plunged into a centuries-long dark ages that saw the disappearance of some written languages and brought once mighty kingdoms to their knees. And so what's really interesting about this whole thing, and just a forewarning to keep in mind, this this is a huge topic and I'm going to try my best to summarize it. But another thing to remember is that they don't, a lot of the languages that were happening, we don't have record of anymore. So a lot of it is like hearsay and people making assumptions based on ruins. Mm -hmm. Like we find the ruins and we're like, oh, this is probably what happened because we don't have any written language of like what went down. The only one, the only language that we do have language, I should say like writing that we do have um, a lot of it is in Egypt and it's like on the um, Pharaoh's tombs. But if you think about it, it's probably slightly propagandistic because it's like through their perspective of what happened and not really what happened. So that's what's really interesting about this, too, is like we don't totally know what went down. It's a mystery. It's a freaking mystery. So um, they had a, like I said, they had a globalized economy and each civilization depended on the other for raw materials, especially copper and tin, which produced bronze. Like everything was made out of bronze. It was like plastic. Wait, bronze is copper and tin? Yeah. I did not know. I know. I didn't know that either until I was doing this. Um, it's, it's a 10 to 1 ratio, 10 coppers to 1 tin. And what's so interesting is you'd think copper would be more precious than tin, but tin was like, it was really only they could only get it in afghanistan interesting i think it's because like um what's it called not mary poppins what's the one with the yellow brick road dorothy the wizard of oz like fucked me because there's an entire man made out of tin so in my head it's like tin man yeah also we have like tin cans oh that too like i just think tin is not as valuable yeah um but it is yeah they could only get it in afghanistan oh too bad it's not 10 tin to one copper copper because then you could say it's tin to one they missed the joke what are they doing let's reformulate the bronze (laughs) recipe (laughs) um uh so yeah bronze was the big export everything was made out of bronze and also uh ceramic ivory and gold were big and if you think about it gold came from egypt ivory came from africa and ceramic i mean you can make ceramic anywhere but it was like wait what's ceramic ceramic is clay that's fired to <gasps> i knew that okay i knew that but it just I, I meant that mostly to show that like they all needed to rely on each other for resources mm-hmm. that everyone was using and also the all the palaces and all of the like fancy monuments they imported artisans from different areas to construct it so it was just very global mm-hmm. um which i don't I, don't I just never would think about it like that yeah it's very interesting no i'm with you on that um 
So they found in the 1980s a shipwreck off the coast of modern-day Turkey. Um, it's called the Uluburner. I can't pronounce it. The Uluburner shipwreck. Okay. It's found off modern-day Turkey. And it's crazy because in this wreckage, it was a full ship full of cargo. Oh, wow. And what they found in it was a dazzling array of luxury goods like carved ivory, gold, jewelry, expensive raw materials from distant ports like elephant tusks and ostrich eggshells. Mm. And the ship itself was made out of cedar from Lebanon. And they found it outside of Turkey. Which is just wow, like, multicultural ship. Um, and so uh da, 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 da. um this ship is basically just like once they found that it was a big revelation of how actual actually interconnected all of these civilizations mm-hmm. were you said that was in the 80s that was in the 80s um and the reason why we don't know a lot of what happened was because there's this language that they've never found the name of but what they what they call linear b and it's uh a, a form of writing that was used in greece and it's the first version of the greek language but they um once the civilization died out everyone that knew how to read or write it also died with it Mm. so it's inconvenient we just don't know anything that happened because there's no record of it isn't that crazy to think about wait so there's no record of the language there's nobody to like translate it there there was no one to translate it. Mm. Um, they That's found funny. these. So basically this guy in like the late 19th century found these copper thing or not copper ceramic tablets that had that was all written in this language and no one knew how to translate it. Interesting. Until the 1940s. So this English linguist michael ventris um somehow and i don't totally know how because i there's too much research but he was able to crack the code no way yes and they found out that it was they found out what it was which is this they didn't totally know what it was and they found out it was this lost language of the bronze age um and it was the first form of greek but now greek is nothing close to that because they started using different symbols from the Phoenicians, which we'll get into. Anyways, um, because only 1% of the society could read and write, once they all died out, um, everyone lost the ability to understand the language or read the records like of what happened. It. Which yeah. is just so like, I wonder if that's going to happen to us someday. It's going to be like, what is this? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. I was going to say, I feel like there's so much documentation now, though, especially when I think of like YouTube videos, for example. Yeah. But like theoretically, if there's something catastrophic enough to like wipe out our current society, then like it probably would wipe out the Internet. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's probably it would have to be in so, 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 so many years, like tens of thousands of years, I yeah. think. But um, I mean, this was 3000 years ago. So true long ass time true, true, true. um so something interesting i didn't realize was you know the iliad and the odyssey mm-hmm. so for a while 
let me just read this instead of me trying to summarize it because I already wrote it down. So, okay. The poet of the Iliad is nameless in the actual translation of it. Um, And he comes to us without a firm biography. Also, Homer, the poet author of the Iliad, is also a mystery. So the person that is the character in the Iliad who's claiming to have witnessed all of this Mm -hmm. is a mystery just as the actual poet of the Iliad is also mysterious, which I didn't realize. I thought we knew everything about him, but it's all contested, which I didn't know. Oh, I didn't realize that either. So, oh um, man, I took like a whole class that was like studying this. I guess maybe I did realize that I just like <laughs> completely You're forgot. like, I can't comprehend that. <laughs> so most scholars place him um, living during the 8th century BC as Greece was emerging from the Dark Ages, which for the most of the topic, that's after what we're talking about. Got it. And his dramas that he wrote um, were very invested in the society of Troy, which was supposed to be occurring during the Bronze Age. But for a long time, people thought it was a myth because there were gods involved and they didn't think it was real. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Iliad is set during the Trojan War, like fight I just said, fight on, <laughs> which was the 10-year siege of the city of Troy by a coalition of Mycenaean Greek kingdoms. And the Odyssey focuses on the 10-year journey home of Odysseus, the king of Ithaca, after the fall of Troy. So Troy is a big part of this. And I didn't know this, but... Troy was thought to be a mythical place until the end of the 19th century when they discovered the ruins of Troy. Wow. I didn't know that either. I thought we always knew it was real. Wow. So um, Homer, of course, was living during classical antiquity, not during the Bronze Age. Um, So they thought his accounts were um, like historical myths. Mm -hmm. But... um, what they believe where he got this information was through a long-standing oral tradition. So he heard stories through people who's heard stories. And then that's how he also passed down the Iliad and the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking about that is crazy because all of those stories are about these warring civilizations. And um, that was real. And that happened. And they all disappeared. That's wild. Everyone thought it was mythical. Yeah. Um, because the societies were so great and like vast. And so it's like, how could that have failed? It must be a myth. Um, and another part is a, tra- a travel writer during antiquity, So, which is hard to think about. So someone that was living in ancient Greece traveled to ruins of the Bronze Age, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about there's ruins yeah. in ancient Greece. He traveled to the ruins. I forget what town it was or what city it was supposed to be, but he wrote this account that he thought Cyclopses built the walls of the city because the boulders were so big and he couldn't comprehend how this society could build it. So he's like, it must be mythical. Isn't that crazy to think about? That like, Sorry, let me just get some clarity. Yeah. So that he thought because the boulders were so great and the walls were so great that the only solution was that a mythical creature built it. Mm-hmm. Okay, there were it. cyclopses alive during. Got it. But like that the city did exist. He didn't think the city was mythical. He just thought the like there were mythical creatures that aided in its yeah. creation. Got it. Um, That's how like Graydon 
crazy yeah. these, city, these ruins of these cities were. But what's interesting is that these cities, what we do know is as they've unearthed these Bronze Age cities, they find terrible, terrible violence that was wrecked upon them. It's just like Ooh. tons of debris. No, thanks. Um, and so the common theory about what happened, because it, again, I don't know if I said this clearly, but basically what's happened was in the span of 100 years, all of these major civilizations collapsed. That's wild because I know that the life expectancy at that point is different than now, but it's like, that's like one person's like, I know, lifetime. I know. Crazy. So the common um, culprit of the collapse was this amorphous idea of the sea peoples. Oh, is that the same thing as Atlantis? No. No. These actually okay. were real people. Oh. But they're... Okay, let me just read it. So the traditional explanation for the sudden collapse of these powerful and interdependent civilizations was the arrival at the turn of the 12th century BC of marauding invaders known collectively as the Sea Peoples. Um, and the true origins of the Sea Peoples is history's great unsolved mystery. Jeez. Um a leading theory is that they emerged from the Western Mediterranean because we're in the East. Um, so wait, they think they're literal, literal sea people. Well, they, yeah, they just, let me, yeah, explain. So these sprawling port cities, successful, prospering port cities were being wrecked by these people that seemingly came out of nowhere from the sea. It was just like these fleets of people. They have no idea where they came from. They came and they destroyed these cities. Mm -hmm. And they took what they can and then they bailed, basically. But then the civilization was collapsed and no one knew what happened to the sea people. So they're like pirates. Basically like giant pirates. Giant fleets of pirates. Huh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It, it's really hard to wrap my brain around the fact that this isn't just like fake yeah like that this isn't fictional but it's like no no no. this like no it's like a really happen good, like it's just as real as like our current civilization it's like a really good well i have a really good analogy to it um to make it modern day but we'll get to that in a bit um so their ships invaded mediterranean strongholds with women and children in tow um evidence that the sea peoples were both raiders and refugees so they weren't just warriors like they since it was a whole diverse group of people that they were probably fleeing something interesting um and so most of the eastern civilizations like Minati and hati um did not survive the siege of the sea peoples um, only Egypt was able to successfully battle against them because they basically came down the Nile River and were like about to fuck shit up. But the Pharaoh knew that they were coming somehow and like hid. He his... wasn't in denial. He wasn't in denial. <laughs> um, so and that happened twice. Oh, wow. Ram Ramses the third was like fuck you guys, you're not taking my civilization. Um, but they did wreak a certain amount of havoc. Um, yeah. And the reason why we know 
of the Sea Peoples is on his tomb. There's these crazy tableaus of the battles that he fought against them. And so that's how we're able to know what they looked like and Mm. that there was women and children involved in the Sea Peoples ships. Um, And so, again, the mythical, what we thought was the mythical destruction of Troy is probably the destruction from the Sea People against Troy. The friggin' Sea People. Um, Says one archaeologist named Klein, he says, the Sea People are the big boogeyman of the Bronze Age collapse. I do think they're part of it, but they're not the sole reason. They're more of a symptom of the collapse than the cause. Oh, interesting. Okay. So what else could have happened? Just pretty much everything devastating (laughs) to a society happened. So in 2014, researchers from Israel and Germany analyzed samples taken from the Sea of Galilee and determined, using radiocarbon data, that from the period 1250 to 1100 BC, um, it was the driest of the entire Bronze Age, which they would call a mega drought. I don't like, I don't like where this is going. (laughs) So, um, so the drought lasted a hundred to up to 300 years. And, um, obviously if you have a drought, it's not just about not having water. It's about not being able to grow food. So because of the drought, there was huge famines everywhere. And there was when they were excavating certain, cities of these civilizations they would find clay tablets like still in the kiln of like someone just wrote it and was trying to send it off messages to other kingdoms saying hey we're starving up here like we need help (sighs) oh my god but they never made it out because either the sea people came or something else happened oh my god it was just like full devastating are there is there any film or um 300 or or like tv shows that because i feel like i'm surprised that i can like see the scene in my head of just like the sea people coming down and like the clay tablet being left in the kiln i don't know i that's what i've been thinking about this whole time it's extremely cinematic this entire story yeah and i mean there should be there should be like a new like series about it yeah um but uh the some the two main societies that were able to survive the bronze age not surprisingly were able to survive because of their access to fresh water which were the egyptians and the babylonians Interesting. because the babylonians were in the fertile crescent as we know which is the euphrates and the tigris tigris um wow we passed seventh grade i know oh um, my and then gosh. obviously egypt through the fertile nile so so um, I should move I should move to somewhere that's touching a fresh yeah water source. Actually, my some of my friends that lived in Northern California, their parents moved to Vermont because apparently Vermont is is on the index of like the the one of the healthiest places to live during climate change. Interesting and upsetting. I know. <laughs> um so the mega drought wasn't the only natural disaster to happen during the oh, good. last of the bronze. Tell me more. Um, they were able to somehow find out, and I don't know how, but they were able to find out that it was also hit by a rapid fire series of major earthquakes known as an earthquake storm. What? 
I feel like you could have done your whole topic on earthquake storms. Like what <laughs> is that? I think it, I, I do actually know what it is. It's, it's like how, how tectonic plates work is that if there's seismic activity, it's more likely that that, that will cause more seismic activity. Sure. Sure. So it's just a lot of shaking. Shaking causes shaking. So because Do you of think they thought that they all had like vertigo at a certain point or like, <laughs> like, cause you know, when you like stand up really fast and you get dizzy and they're like, okay, I've had enough. Like I'm ready to like not be dizzy anymore. And then it just like keeps going. Yeah, probably. I, uh, well, and earthquakes always cause fire. So they're just really like, why is that? I've noticed that. I think it's because like it's like the friction. Like yeah. I think of like sparks flying. Is that actually real? I don't or? actually totally know why. I want to say that it's like the rubble. I don't know. Like if you have open fires and there's rubble that comes down, it like fuels the f- open fires and causes earthquakes. Or sorry, and causes fires. Uh, I don't know. Okay, we'll let TV that one on pass. That. We'll let earthquake that storm. Um. Ironically, the interconnectedness that had strengthened the Bronze Age kingdoms may have hastened their downfall because once certain civilizations were um, decimated by either drought, earthquake, sea people, whatever, um, they could no longer give a resource to another civilization, which mm. would make that civilization it's like suffer. a domino. Total domino effect. Literally was my next line. Oh, sorry. Um, and it... it resulted in widespread system collapse. Egypt and the Assyrians were largely unaffected, but they kind of drew back. They weren't as big as they once were. Egypt ended up regaining prominence, um, but Assyria never got as big as it once was. It kind of retracted back into the Fertile Crescent. It used to be way beyond that. Mm. But um, the... the, <laughs> I'm not gonna forget hesitation them. because it's I've been there where it's just like I can't say that. The civilization that was in modern day Greece um suffered complete collapse, as well as the civilization Hyates, which was in Turkey, just gone, completely gone after this period. Um and another reason why that could have been is that um the Egypt and Assyria were able to adapt because they no longer got the access to either copper or tin that made bronze. So they started using steel. Mm. And a lot of northern, western, northwestern civilizations, like way up there, they were starting to use um, iron and steel. Okay. So it's like their main export, just like no one needed it anymore because they couldn't access it just kind of a bad not the best all events um so because of this because all this instability is happening what do you think happens internal rebellion <laughs> because the top is collapsing because they're not making any money and so the people that serve them are not getting anything they're like the first part yeah. of the drought and the famine so um this was one of the first known cases of uh, lower classes revolting against the elites, like labor strikes. Mm-hmm. This is like the first record. I mean, I'm sure it happened before that, but it's like the first recorded thing of that. Um, 
and tomb raiding became really big. People would burn down their own cities out of anger. And so that also... Feels like a bad plan. Yeah. So you think that that's enough disaster to happen. Oh, there's more? There's one more thing that um, happened that was just like, okay, the world... I mean, the world is literally ending, as you know it. Because the Hakala 3 eruption occurred, which was in Iceland. Okay? We're talking, okay. We're talking like Middle East. Like yeah. Most of this is happening in the Middle East. But in fucking volcano in iceland goes off and it is such an intense and catastrophic eruption that it covers europe and um the middle east in ash for three years which obviously accelerated the drought and accelerated yeah i can't i truly cannot fathom how much ash that is yeah (laughs) it threw seven kilometers of volcanic rock into the atmosphere, placing the explosivity index at a five, which I think it's five out of five. And um, holy shit. Yeah. So this was like extremely devastating. And what they believe, so this happened, this explosion happens, and it just decimates Western Europe. And so that's where a lot of people think the sea peoples came from, is that they were living in places that were completely dark and devastated by this volcanic ash. And so they had to leave wherever they lived. And so they sailed eastward because the ash was coming from the north. And that's why Mm -hmm. they started invading other places, because they had nothing. Oh, that's really sad. I know. Wow. So it kind of gives you like the sea people seem like these nefarious like evil people, but they're also like just trying to flee like destruction as well. Totally. It's very oh my sad. Gosh. Um, so what this is an example of, which I didn't realize was a sociological concept, is called general systems collapse. Have you heard of this? <laughs> yeah, I took sociology in college. So for people like me who didn't know what it was, um, it's a theory pioneered by Joseph Taint. Tear. Ooh, that was that was a close one. <laughs> Narrowly um, avoided that one. And uh, it proposes that societal collapse results from an increase in social complexity beyond a sustainable level, leading people to revert to a simpler way of life. So, um, for example, in the Bronze Age, a variety of factors, including population growth, soil degradation, drought. Um, cast bronze weapon and iron production technologies could have combined to push the relative price of weaponry to a level unsustainable for traditional warrior aristocracies. So basically bronze became people were no longer able to make bronze weapons as much as they needed them. Mm -hmm. And people in the West that had access to steel were able to make way more weapons that were easier to make and more disposable. So they could just like, like, decimate the people with the older types of weapons um and how the general systems collapse relates to it further is that the growing complexity and the specialization of the late bronze age political economic and social organization made the society too intricate to reestablish itself once disrupted so Everything was relying on everything to such an intense level that if there's one thing that disrupted one thing, it was all over. So they relied so much on bronze that mm-hmm. once 
one of those societies was attacked by an invader or they had a drought they just like collapsed yeah the domino thing that yeah. we we're kind of talking about because they were too reliant on other societies to mm-hmm. survive um man i don't even know that i need the analogy at the end i feel of- like we can kind of tell where <laughs> this is going so um i mean i pretty much covered it i mean it's basically they consider the collapse of the bronze age the worst disaster in history even more um, than the dinosaurs i mean (laughs) that's a myth i'm not kidding um even more um chaotic than the collapse of the western roman empire because many historians believe that this was the truly the lost golden age um and so Here's the thing. That sounds really sad and destructive and terrible. And it was. But also our society as we know it was able to emerge from this Mm -hmm. because our language, which comes from the Phoenicians, was able to come out through the lack of language. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, the Phoenicians came to prominence after the collapse of most major cultures and they Uh, established an expansive maritime trade network that lasted over millennium and became the dominant commercial power for much of classical antiquity, which I feel like once antiquity happens, I feel like I can trace history. I'm like, I know where we're going from this. Do you know what I mean? Vaguely? No. I mean, I know what you're saying. I cannot say that I relate. (laughs) Okay. Um, Basically, our culture sprung from the ashes. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so... This this amount of the small amount of people that were able to survive the collapse adapted to their new reality and rebuilt their lives, um, and we got the Greeks and Romans, which we're still upset. I just love how obsessed we are with the Greek and Romans. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like they were obsessed with this other civilization yeah. that happened way before, um, and. It's interesting because we have like a lot of record of Greek and Roman stuff, but they didn't, they only had like oral history history. So they're a lot more trusting than we are. I feel like we need hard evidence more. I don't know. Do we? I don't know. I only asked that. Was it before we started rolling or after where I can't remember? Oh, we were talking about snakes and you said like, oh, is it true? Like I heard this thing about this man who had a Python and the Python was always sleeping next to him and like sizing him up. And, um, I was like, Oh, is that a tall tale? Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that that's even been like passed down, I feel like is like our version of oral history. Yeah. And I think maybe like our version of oral history are like TikToks or whatever by people who are not qualified to be giving information or not checking sources. And then, yeah, but here's the thing is is like the iliad and the odyssey were able to be passed down through oral history but that was real it's like oral oral history is not real yes i (laughs) generally speaking (laughs) i do not think it's good i think it's um an issue with the age of information but sure so um I mean, this is kind of a sad note to end on or like wrap it up with. But obviously, as I was talking, you could probably draw correlations to our current yeah. time. Um, the societies were linked through global trade and diplomacy and the downfall of one nation is certain to affect the fortunes of all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
A good example of how intense the need for bronze was, was uh, I read a lot about how it was basically just like how obsessed our government is with oil and how much we go to lengths to secure oil for our country. I was just going to ask about that. But then do you think that like, I guess the glimmer of hope is that like, it feels like there has been a hastened, like a concerted effort to rid ourselves of like complete dependency on oil. Yeah, I think that's that's the lesson that we get to have because this already happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like climate disaster already happened. It like decimated whole people. Like yeah. dependence on other civilizations decimated. Like I, it's, I think that's the icing on the cake maybe is that we can learn through history and say let's not have this happen again and it is why I think it's important for us to learn about the bronze age because it's like dude this already happened like get our shit together yeah yeah I think it's really interesting because I feel like we're like pretty stupid yeah and like I have like very little respect for our government (laughs) um not that I highly respect any government in particular I just think there's so much power and corruption that it blinds the fact that there's probably smart people that work in our government but like i i feel like whether it's the driving of climate change or like whatever's driving it i'm glad that somebody has the fortitude to be like we should probably uh, look at this yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of i this is what's interesting is as i was doing the research on this Mm -hmm. almost all the articles i got this from were from 2021 Interesting. Were you who I was speaking to that's reading a book or was interested in a book? There was some book. I don't know why I started talking about this. I remember hardly any details about it, but it basically was this book that was like relating our current situation to like different times in history. That sounds like me, but I don't think so. I don't know who that was, but. Well, I actually got this from this topic idea from a book that just came out it's a novel and then like the two characters are talking about it it's a sally rooney book it looks like a fucking like a oh that book book. wait i want it it does look like an airport book it's really it's like amazing normal people why is everybody so that was the other book that she wrote yeah why are people so obsessed with her well so i so this sounds so pretentious but i don't really like a lot of like contemporary novelists i find them very obsessed with being current in a way that's actually not realistic. But she is so like moment to moment. Like she notices it's very, it feels very real and not like a annoying way. She interesting. It's very good. I haven't read normal people and I really didn't want to, but Caleb was like, you actually should really read this book. It's very good. And it's just about these two women, like dealing with the fact that they feel like they're like the world's collapsing around them but they want the world to be beautiful. Oh, wow. I should pick that book up. The book is called read more too. Beautiful World, Where Are You? It's very, it's a very easy read too. Um, but they have an email exchange where they talk about the Bronze Age and they were bringing up all these comparisons. And I was like, holy shit, what, is that real? And that's why I looked it up. Interesting. Um, so, I mean, that's the Bronze Age. <laughs> the Bronze Age. The collapse of the Bronze Age. We so. love a good society I collapse. I hope we learn a little thing I or two. I do, too. I feel like, call me naive, and I'm not saying this because I 
try my best to be as proactive in like my part of climate change or whatever and like being a go-friendly etc etc as I can be but I feel like I'm just like okay there's a lot of fucking smart people and like we have a lot of technology somebody please just invent something that's gonna like start reversing this like I feel like it's gonna be that moment in like a movie where like the bomb's about to go off and then like in the nick of time somebody's just like oh here let me stop it that already happened Sydney it was when Elon Musk went on SNL <laughs> that single-handedly stopped, stopped climate destruction change. the clouds of our society yeah, man I don't know I just like I don't know I'm in denial and what is that what stage of grief is that first <laughs> one well and maybe this isn't this actually will make you more depressed but I was listening to this podcast about the, the fall of civilizations podcast it's freaking amazing. I just started listening to it. It's by this guy named Paul Cooper, who's like a British guy. And he has a really good episode about the Bronze Age. And he brought in this archaeologist who studies it. And he was saying, he was like, what did the people of the time think was happening? Like, was it completely terrifying? And the guy was like, well, I feel like modern people could really relate to it because it was actually about 300 years of downfall where it was like one thing would happen and it was like that was kind of bad and then another thing would happen and it didn't happen all at one time so it felt like okay like this is just how life is gonna be right now and I was like that doesn't make me feel that good. Doesn't that's how feel life feels all. right now. I know. I can't believe we're like still in the pandemic. I don't know. Cause sometimes I talk about it. I'm like, you know, when we were in the pandemic and I'm like, wait, we're like kind of still doing that. Well, and that's what's, I hope that, I mean, ultimately I hope that we learn something from the pandemic because something like a virus could completely tank our entire globe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. No, it really is. It's like unbelievable that this is happening. It shows you how vulnerable we like, are to chaos. Yeah. So I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. But then on the other hand, I'm like, okay, the Spanish flu of like, what was it? 1918. Like, like a long time that. ago. And like we survived it. Well, that's what I think. I mean, in my hopeful view, and I don't know if this is historic. It's just emotional for me, but I'm like, World War II was kind of the most fucked up thing that could ever, that has happened. It seems totally. like, yeah, like on such a grand scale, like there was In global scale. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that feels very similar to what I just talked about, like the tangling of alliances. That's mm-hmm. really like, I, mean, I guess that's world war one, but the world wars, they happened yeah. pretty one after the other. I mean, that's, and I feel like, we're, we have learned from that. We still have a lot more to learn from what happened. But I feel like, thankfully, <laughs> we haven't had a World War Three yet. Totally. Because World War Two was so catastrophic. Um, oh, another thing is they would call the class of the Bronze Age World War Zero. Because it was the first World War. That just makes me think of, what's the movie with? Um, World War Z. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that before or after Zero? probably after i mean it's definitely after yeah but (laughs) can you imagine living through world war ii no my grandma has like crazy fucking stories and it's just like oh my god because the philippines got invaded yeah so like her house because i guess she she doesn't tell it like 
as one piece. Like I've only heard like bits and pieces because I think it's really hard for her to talk about it. Yeah. But she, her family was like either really high up in the military or something like because she had a bunch of brothers and like the Japanese literally took over her house and like was like torturing her family like in their own house. Like they like took occupation of her house and like God knows what they did to the women. And like she, you know, I don't condemn racism, but I'm not going to fight my grandma. And like she has a really hard time with like japanese export type stuff like she's just so wildly uninterested and i think it's interesting because um and this is getting on such a tangent but i've recently read some stuff about how like japan like rebranded themselves and i say this as somebody who's a huge fan of japanese culture and food and pop culture and just like anime i mean i'm not a huge fan of anime necessarily but like anime video games all this stuff i think japan culture is really interesting and amazing and I have a hold a great appreciation for it but it's very interesting because um the article that I was reading was talking about how like that was all very intentional that they kind of like they took over and were like super brutal and terrible to all of these like neighboring countries um what stands out specifically for me is like Korea and the Philippines and then they just like were like oh wait but look at these cute drawings like we're so kawaii and like (laughs) It's it, in all reality, like it was like this really intentional thing to like wipe their brand clean, sort of. And it's interesting because I think the younger generation, um, and myself included, I think if I didn't have this connection to World War Two through like my grandmother's storytelling, um, I think it's like so easy that it seems so far away that like, especially this younger generation, like they might not even be aware of the fact that like for a generation that they're only a couple generations removed from have this entirely different uh, characterization of this country. Yeah. yeah. Well, Japan really is fascinating. So interesting because it, they were basically secluded until mm-hmm. world war two. It was like an Imperial power. Yeah. Which is mind boggling to think about. Yeah. Cause it, Japan seems so modern and totally cutting edge now that it was like for that long, like it was very different way of life. Yeah. It's, it's, I think just in general, the idea of just like how different and brutal that way of life was. And I say brutal in like a non-judgmental way, but just like, that's what had to happen to survive. And even like, when you just think on like a per country basis of like, And I mean, it definitely still exists in our society. I think that it's just like not, it's a little bit more discreet Mm -hmm. um, in most cases, but just like Japan was doing what they felt like they needed to do or whoever was making these calls were doing what they felt like they needed to do to like survive or be like the top power because like this is what they felt was necessary and whatever, like other country is doing what they feel like is necessary i mean like we sent nuclear weaponry do you know what i mean just like it's so hard for me to wrap my brain around like living in a time when these were decisions that were actively being made and thought about Mm -hmm. it's not to say that we're living in this like super peaceful whatever time um but i don't know it's just it's wild that it wasn't that long ago yeah yeah i mean not to go on a slight history tangent but that's but to go on this said tangent <laughs> uh, that's why i'm obsessed with russia and russian history is because it is the most dramatic <laughs> like 
story of one country because for so long Russia was like quite literally conservative like they wanted to conserve what they had and they had serfs longer than any other country in western Europe Mm -hmm. like we bailed on the serfs I don't know actually the date in western Europe and I'm saying we because I'm from western Europe my family is um you know like in the 15th like 14th century Mm -hmm. and Russians had them until like 18 like mid 19th century yeah like it was a very long time yeah and because of that that's what accelerated the intense leftist reaction of Marxism is because they held on to something for so long that it just got like whiplash really fast they had to they had such a not a I don't want to say backwards but such a older form of government that the people that were oppressed were like okay now we're gonna take this into our own hands and what a dramatic display of that happening with the soviet union you know yeah so crazy yeah it's weird because you wonder if it's like when we were growing up were things just like more chill or we were just were we just children and not like aware of what was going on around us or like has everything really just like turned to shit within the last like 10 years of us like coming to age i think or coming of age i mean it feels like it's always been tumultuous. <laughs> like think about yeah. like 9-11 happened when we were really young which was a very intense event yeah is it i don't know i so we're recording this on like september 21st and we weren't recording around when 9-11 was like because it was the 20th anniversary And I don't know about you, but for some reason this year like hit way harder for me. Yeah. I think maybe it was like people are talking about it more. I mean, it was 20 20 years feels like a significant number. But I don't know. But also like does it? Do you know what I mean? Like to me, it's like, okay, what's really the difference emotionally speaking for myself between the 19th and the 20th year? You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess probably just because more people were talking about it because it's like a significant number Number, yeah just like symbolically but I think for me 20 just was like whoa that was 20 years ago I've lived through 20 years like I can remember history for 20 years do you know what I mean yeah I don't know if that makes sense but I mean I get what you're saying but I I feel like that's a little bit of a different experience than like what I was talking about which is more just like it was like and I guess maybe it's more being exposed to it because like Bef- like last year for example like 9-11 came and went and it was like okay like I said prayers for people and it was like wow that's really devastating and then like I moved on with my life where this year it was like people were posting like recordings of people and people's voicemails that they left and I think like, it was just pure- it was just it felt like it was like everywhere and I feel like it was like I like cried a lot on that day and I don't think I've ever really cried in remembrance of 9-11 do you know what I mean well I think it was the symbolic 20 years yeah thing everything no I but I I couldn't imagine being an adult though I'm glad I wasn't an adult when that happened because I feel like I would have been terrified I know I mean Caleb talks about this a lot as someone who grew up in New York City oh yeah that it he can sense a real scar on his parents after that happened that something like fundamentally changed in them having children in a city where something like that happened 
that it just like his mom is a very nervous person she's like very nervous i'm sure the therapists in new york were really (laughs) in high demand well one of our friends his dad worked in um the financial district Mm -hmm. and the event happened they didn't hear from him and then like two hours later there's a knock on the door and they open the door and he's covered in ash he had ran all the way uptown to where they lived on foot he just he like saw he saw it crash and ran through the dust and just like didn't stop running until he got home can you imagine i truly can't i truly cannot i know um this is a horrible place to end the podcast <laughs> it's like which else should we talk about that's happier um oh here we meant to mention this in the beginning but so basically i have really bad mosquito bites i have three on my body they're like giant welts and they itch so bad and so i was gonna put calamine lotion on and kate is like wait and pulls this <laughs> it looks like it's like a pregnancy test out of her bag (laughs) and what is it called like no bite or something bite away bite away and she's like let me do this for you and she like puts this like magic zapping stick on one of my things and then it like electrocutes me basically but now my stuff doesn't itch anymore and so we did it for each of the even on her face even on my face There's and it of- worked i mean like it's a little itchy now but it's definitely subdued well we did the less intense version yeah so there if was you, an intense if you want to do the I intense version before to. i head out no i'm fine thanks just to zap it out i'm um, in a place where this is manageable well that's good i mean by the way I, i'm happy it works because i was really suffering from mosquito bites for a while yeah the funniest part too is so i went away to this like camp thing for work and um i was like obsessed with i did not want to get any bites i did not want to get deal with insects and so i had like i did all this research on like the best natural because i didn't want a an insect spray that had insect uh like pesticides in it Mm -hmm. so like all of these like natural like essential oil whatever and i like brought them with me there and i was like yes and i was like super diligent about it i didn't get any bug bites i go to hawaii i don't get any bug bites i come home i get three within like four days of being home (laughs) just some like existing yeah and I'm yeah. like, what the heck? And I even had this moment where I was like, oh my God, do we have bed bugs? And Alex is like, we don't have bed bugs, but sure. Well, there's a really, I was telling Sydney, if you live in Southern California, there's an infestation of what they call ankle biter mosquitoes, which is like a new strain of mosquitoes. Those fuckers. That are really, their um, bites have a trigger a allergic reaction in most people. Do they just like fly really close to the ground? Mm-hmm. Well, that's stupid. Why I don't they just have legs? Hate them. I don't know. I hate them so much. I hate them so much. I hope they like always have shit in their teeth. I well, or so, like they like bite into a popcorn kernel, and you know how there's always that like yeah. Piece I hope that, gets that little mosquito gets that forever. Their well, whole I life. so I was haunted by mosquito bites. Like I'm talking like I had 15 on my leg, and I looked like. I was on some oh sort of gosh. narcotic <laughs> and I was constantly itching. It was keeping me up all night long. The thing actually helped calamine didn't help. Um, what's the other one? Hydrocortisone didn't help. Like nothing was making it not itch. So I would literally put on this intense ass Chinese, like herbal 
menthol lotion that Caleb has that, that, that makes your entire skin freeze. I was just rubbing it all up and down my legs and just making my legs like go numb basically because that was what helped it. So it, that did help. So get some menthol, um, like almost like vapo rub. It'll Vicks. soothe it. But um, where was I going with this? You smelled like shit. I So I had this two-week period where I was just haunted by it. And so I, I started, I was just using the intention. Like I was putting DEET like in my eyes basically. <laughs> and there like was chugging a bottle of DEET. One time where the Amazon guy didn't know where my door was and he was like he's screaming amazon <laughs> and so i just i went out to get the package for like five seconds and i came in and i had five bug bites on me Stop. and i was like oh, i fucking hate you and then i bought that but then it didn't come in time and the bites kind of went away mm. but now i'm glad it works it works so it works that's a very I, long testimony i don't know if i could do it to myself though so every time the three sections Kate had to hold the thing and like make it happen (laughs) but it is what it is anyways guys that's another episode for you um every Friday new episodes uh we don't have a video version of this because of some technical difficulties but I guess if you got this far you listened to the audio portion but I guess if you want to tell your friends we will put an audio version up on YouTube there just won't be a video component to it yeah um but yeah see you next Friday Bye bye bye